All right, gang, welcome back to the best Tuesday you've had all week. This is Dave Littlejohn, and welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show. Joining me in studio today, a main man. Yeah, and he's not a robot, which we will get to later, but... I know, we were talking this morning, or well, before the show, we're like, what is on everybody's mind? And I know there's a bunch of stuff, right? There's probably the the big news, which to me isn't big news, uh, because it's been sort of predicted for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. All right, Trump gets indicted. Uh, And... I I shrug my shoulders and go, yeah, mm-hmm. right, and, and it's mostly because I think this is a political tactic, right? I mean, this is the kind of stuff that's been going on on politics forever. But if you hate Trump, then it's like yet another reason to say out loud how much you hate Trump. And if you love Trump, then it's another reason to say, well, the system's been corrupted because look at how we're leveraging what has historically been, yeah, and and. I don't know that it's a leveraged thing, but bottom line is this, right? Uh, if you have a candidate that you don't want to run against, then try to make them ineligible. Right. So throw yeah. stuff at them. And if you can't get something to stick, throw accusations at them because trial by media is very effective. If you can make them look guilty, even if they're not, people perceive that they are. Mm-hmm. My question is, if he wasn't running again, would this have even happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or would they have just been like, oh, well, he's not going to run, so there's no need to pursue this. And I wonder, what does this mean just generically about how, because this happens all over the place. You know, what are the things that people are willing to let slide and what are the things they're not willing to let slide? Mm-hmm. Okay. And obviously there's going to be nuance to this at different times. And Well, the president's different than a senator? I don't know. It's just interesting to me. And it's also it exposes the double standard really quickly. Like, well, I'm okay with it in this case, but that other case, meh. Mm-hmm. You know, we just all have our biases. I think that's really what it does is it just parades our biases right out in front of us. And it, it reassures me of a belief that I hold to, which is that most of this stuff that we're reading in the news is either for generating profits mm-hmm. or political science. Yep. Right. And political science is the strategy, the way I'm defining it, I'm saying, is the strategy of influencing voters one direction or another in order to get positions of power in our government. Right. And so it's you think about it. If there's one issue that you're willing to vote on and it's like, you know what, if the candidate doesn't align with me on this thing, I don't care who they are. I'm not going to vote for them. We see that all the time. You think that that's not part of the equation? You're an easy one, right? You're an easy one because you're like, well, if we pick that one thing that just you can't, it's a die, that's the hill you're going to die on. All we have to do is find a candidate that represents that one issue, and then your vote is pretty well dialed. Mm-hmm. So we can move on to other things and figure out. So the political science is how do I track the most people or piss off the least people, right? Yeah, and it's that's, one of the that's sort of it, mm-hmm. and so. And so we need to figure out what are the issues that, well, you know, I don't like that one, but it's not the hill I'm going to die on. I'll tolerate it as long as they do align with me on that other one. Okay, that's political science. And Donald Trump was really good at being polarizing. It was sort of all or nothing, not a lot of middle ground, which strategically is probably why the left thinks uh, I think they may actually want him in office. Like in the in the they may want the Republicans to nominate him because they think that he is more beatable because he is so polarizing. Mm, yeah. I don't know, but that that's would make sense to me strategically. Theory. Yeah, interesting theory. But that's not what we're going to talk about. Today. What are we talking about then? Well, you know, there's another thing that we're not going to talk about today. 
which is that'd be the, funny if we spent the whole show yeah, not talking the, about the continuing the- saga of banks and interest rates and what is the federal reserve going to do in our economy and you know are banks in trouble because they have inadequate capital inadequate reserves because rising interest rates have depleted their bond portfolios mm-hmm. and will we see a string of failures as a result of bank capital getting damaged by rising interest rates. And so we've seen some banks already fail, and when we see more fail, and when we see a lack of confidence in the system and a run on the banks, and all of a sudden a self-fulfilling prophecy where we get a Great Depression just because everybody doesn't trust the banks, they all try to take their money out at the same time. But I don't think we're going to talk about that. Okay, we're not talking about banks. Because if we're not I don't talking think about, that's really the issue, right? If I think we're most not, of us look at it and go, well, where else are you going to put the money? If you hate the stock market, you know, you can't love banks. You can't hate the stock market and love banks right now. So if you hate banks, you probably hate the stock market too. So then where do you go? Are you going to say something crazy like gold? I mean, no, I, mean, I guess joking. gold or Bitcoin. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. like you're starting to run into really weird, obscure markets. And real gold, estate. You know, gold is largely operated like maybe cash buyer real estate. But even that, in you, a rising interest rate environment, less real buyers got are showing up. Yeah. So if. So yeah. So I mean, what do you love? And and the answer is chocolate. Not, not much. Yeah, I'm just going to invest in chocolate and bonbons. Bacon in the profits, Betty. Oh, the, you know, the there it is. So yeah, if you're on our mailing list, you would know what we're talking about. Can someone just get on our mailing list if they want awesome emails? Yeah, occasionally? they can. If you just want to track what we're saying and whatnot, you can go at our website at littlejohnfs.com. There's a join our mailing list tab, or you could just send an email to info at littlejohnfs.com and say, hey, add me to the mailing list. And you could see, we send out videos and we send out different market updates and just sometimes uh, something goes out on April 1st, you know, so, mm-hmm. yep. By the way, I, I, I should also say this, I don't do this often, but, uh, a special uh, happy birthday shout out to my buddy Gary. So if you're listening, Gary, happy birthday and uh, glitter bombs. You get it. <laughs> All right. For the rest of you guys, we're not going to talk about the banks. Okay. Yeah. And um, you know what I think we should talk about? Hmm. Probably the next bubble in the stock market, if it's not already. Uh, the next hyperbole, not quite Bitcoin, but maybe. I actually think it's got more legs than Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but harder to rope around. Like crypto in general, it's kind of like talking about crypto instead of Bitcoin. You've got people on the edge of their seats, David. Artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It has been a buzz lately. It is something to talk about. This came out when uh, there was a, another podcast that I enjoyed, and it was, a, do you think that artificial intelligence is going to start replacing people? Now, it was specifically, will it replace financial advisors? But I'm going beyond that. How many jobs will it replace? I know that I saw Elon Musk made a, you know, a post or a comment saying, hey, you know, I actually want um, Congress to look into trying to figure out ways to limit the development of AI for now. Like, let's hit the pause button. Yeah. Because this thing's accelerating so quickly. We don't know what the potential effects are. Um, on society, on the job markets, we don't we don't know what we're unboxing here. Can we hit the pause button? And I know that's got a lot of support from a lot of you know really influential. There's like 1,100 names. people that signed an open letter saying, "Congress, please step in and 
do something about regulating this before it becomes something that we can't put back in the right. box. I saw that. If it's and not I, already. And I wondered, how do you regulate away um, creativity and innovation? Because we're using it, it's it's already in the DNA of everything that we're doing, right? Like it's growing, but it's not. So I think artificial intelligence is sometimes over credited as if it is sentient, mm-hmm. right? Like people will are amazed at how good chat gpt has become at neurolinguistics for example the idea Mm -hmm. that you can speak in ordinary terms and ask it questions and it can discern what is being asked and then answer the question right and and it answers it well like you read it and you go that makes sense and it's well articulated and that's what i was asking it so it's capable of discerning what the real question was and reading some of the nuance into the language and it's it's doing that through a, a process that is learned through pattern recognition. Okay. Right? Because what is artificial intelligence largely doing? Pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. It's learning the patterns and learning how to respond to them. So it's it's simply recognizing that there's a choice or a, you know, a, a, a one path versus another path. It may take it may be multiple choices layered upon themselves, but that's how it's making decisions, right? And it kind of learns and develops on itself. It can, and then there's different types of learning. You know, neural networks behave mm-hmm. in one way, and uh, so forth. So, and I'm not an expert in this. Don't so so. Let's not try to get into the the, the deep machine learning or artificial intelligence circles where somebody can quickly surpass my knowledge. Okay, but let's just talk more generically about what is it that artificial intelligence is likely to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what may it do? doesn't have to be likely, but it's, you know, what are some other things and what are the goods and the bads? And and I really am kind of interested in talking about how might this affect us? How might this change the job landscape? What's it going to mean? Mm-hmm. So we'll unpack that today. That's, that's okay. the show today. We're going to be talking about AI and what is, we're, we're going to play, what, what could it be like? We'll play the what if game with AI, but we got to take our first obscene profit break right now all right all right so stick around if you want to you want to unpack artificial intelligence with us and figure out hey is my job on the line or might a new job be coming that and more this is dave littlejohn and matt dixon you got true wealth on news radio 93.9 fm and 1240 kqen hey gang welcome back to the true wealth show where we ask important questions like why do i repeat the radio announcer when he gives the radio show call signs maybe because you're a robot it's possible today Mm. we're talking about ai get caught up on our podcast tomorrow if you just started joining us you're wondering what's up but we are going to get into the meat of the fun right here Uh, podcast available at littlejohnfs.com right and we've made it easier than ever now it's everywhere it's on apple um podcast it's on you know if you're on google it's on android it's all over the place so you can find it uh look up Little John Financial and True Wealth, right? Mm-hmm. And you'll find it there. You'll see our silly logos, and uh, we mostly use Matt's face mm-hmm. for good reason. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty funny logo. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got uh, – it's on our website. Uh, 
if you go to littlejohnfs.com, you don't you can go to the Knowledge Center, and there's a bunch of stuff that you can find there, or you can just scroll down on the homepage, and it's linked because we really want you to find the podcast. So we made it easy. Okay, perfect. There's also a bunch of free tools if you want to go and get more information about your own finances, uh, how to get started on a financial plan, how to get started on an asset map. There's a number of things. If you ever uh, wanted to take a look at the risk that you currently have in your investments, we've got some different hedging tools that you can take a look at. So a lot of cool stuff that you can um, get access to at littlejohnfs.com. So Matt, yeah, I have a question for you. Okay. Artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. right? It's becoming pretty ubiquitous out there. I mean, it's, it's quickly taking over, well, it's quickly infiltrating, I'll say, the business community. What could go wrong? Um, there's a lot of things I think that could go wrong. I would probably start by listing bias as one of the areas where I feel like um, AI. Are could... we biased, by the way? We are. You think we are? We are biased, yes. But <laughs> oh my, let me defend financial advisors here before we lose our job to AI, or maybe we won't lose our job to it. But go on. But more than bias, even I think it's just misinformation in general, and maybe not at the. Um, like devious plot of AI, but it could be wrong, but it it's going to say it anyway, right? Like it's going to generate a response. How often is it going to be a hundred percent accurate? Okay, right? so so yeah, uh, it's error. Like what could go wrong? Misinformation, it, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, okay. the real concern I have is I don't think we can stop it at this point. I don't. Congress can try and stop it. That doesn't mean anything, right? I think well, you know how you would regulate less about the specificity than you would about things that it's allowed to get into or things it's not. So you would limit to say it cannot do things like actually make execute a decision. It can only it can only tell you what it should be, and a human has to execute it, hmm. right? So so you could disconnect it from an outcome so that it was not capable of going in and wreaking the havoc. It's mm-hmm. much as like it could flash a light at you, and then you have to go pull a lever, but it can't pull the lever for you. Right. I mean, that would yeah. be an example. Right. But I mean, I think we could get to a point where, like I mentioned, there's some information coming out that's not accurate. But more concerning to me, we get so dependent on it. I'm just looking into the future. We get so dependent upon AI making decisions for us and giving us information that what happens when we kind of start to shut that part of our brain off where we're having to analyze information and we're letting the computer do it for us, I just see brains kind of turning mushy to the point to where we just accept it as truth no matter what. And at that point, you can start to change the truth around behind the scenes with the AI. And it's funny you say that because one of the things that was noted is that the programming within ChatGPT was constrained. It changed answers, and so it started to be aware of I'll call, I mean, I'll just call it this, political bias in the way it would answer things. You can prove this. Go yeah. on ChatGPT and say, you know, write up um, all of the, um, you know, positive, I think it was on ChatGPT, write out all the positives about Donald Trump and his personality, right? Just right. go try it out. And then go do the same thing with Joe Biden and see the bias. Right. Well, or the interesting one was talk about the... Um, the reason the concerns about climate change then it was make a make an argument for the benefits of fossil fuels and it's like i can't do that right? mm-hmm. so something like that where it would just say uh no doesn't compute doesn't align with this other thing yeah so 
I think you're right that uh, it, it we already have this in search engines now, right? We know that search engines yes. are already trying to data fit to your location and who you are if they have identified you. So they are sort of biasing what gets placed in front of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it... It, it, I've, we've said this before on the show. It does make sense. If you're not paying for it, then it's because somebody else is paying for it, and they're trying to buy your eyeballs. Yes. Right? That's what the advertising revenue model is, is we've got to get in front of your eyeballs to convince you to buy stuff from us. So we get it. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, right? And I say that to all of us, myself included. Well, if we think about what you just said, Matt, I mean, the first thing is, what if it gives us an answer that's wrong and we don't even recognize it? Mm-hmm. Okay. That could be dangerous. It could. Really dangerous. Mm-hmm. There's, there is a discussion. There's a term that gets thrown around out there. Uh, we we kind of joke. I mean, there was a movies, right? I mean, the whole Terminator series movie was about what happened. AI gains consciousness, right? The mm-hmm. Matrix was like that. AI somehow becomes aware and decides that humans are in the way of its objective, Okay. By the way, AI doesn't have to be aware of itself to find that you unintentionally programmed humans in the way of its existence. Right? And if you think about it, this is a great example. I stole this from Elon Musk, by the way, which is, hey, AI doesn't have a conscience, right? If you think about when we're building a road somewhere, we don't look at the anthills. We just scrape them out of the way and build a road because it's not that we hate ants. It's because we don't even consider them. We just put down a road. And AI would do that. If humans were in the way of accomplishing its programmed mission, mm-hmm. then it would sort of scrape them out of the way like an anthill and then just deal with what it needed to deal with. AI it, doesn't have a soul. That's really what this gets down to, right? Right. And so I realize there have been Hollywood's played with this thematically for a long time. And that's what they're suggesting is uh, when I say they, the folks that are saying, hey, we may need to regulate some of this. There may need to be some rules put in place because... There is a move towards so much data and so much computing power that even if a computer is not self-aware, well, it may begin to behave as such. Or maybe it could become self-aware. We don't know how, but let's suppose it did. We call that a singularity. Right? The singularity is the point. Uh, in physics, it's like a black hole or something like that. But mm-hmm. in singularity in AI is when AI begins to exceed the capacity of humankind and it's it takes over. Mm-hmm. Right? It may not even necessarily be bad, but it may not be good if it's if we make do the wrong things, right? And we're playing with unknown. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the wild card of AI. What's well, really crazy to think about, like everything we have now, in theory. I mean, not everything, but most things that we have now are hackable, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of my other concerns, I guess, is as AI continues to spread and the adoption grows, what happens when hacks start to take place? You could really change mass behavior with a few simple changes to the system. Potentially. And here's yeah. the interesting thing about it. Uh, AI, not, not necessarily AI, although sort of, we've, there's been evidence that computers will try to hack each other. Mm. Right. To so there's, learn. there's an, two different yeah. AIs try to battling each other. This happens in, uh, I think it was Facebook that was playing with this. They were playing with uh, machine learning and trying to figure out language. And what they found is a computer that was working with another computer trying to learn. And they started to develop their own language. They just sort of agreed on things. And it became 
pulses and other codes that weren't discernible or distinguishable to people. And, and again, some of this is just a rumor. Maybe it never happened, right? But if you could imagine the computers reached a point where they were communicating with each other, they had figured it out, but everybody else hadn't yet. And they ended up shutting it down because they didn't want it to you know, carry on. And it was like, well, one, we don't know what it's doing. And two, what if it's not doing something good? So they needed to pull the plug on that one and kind of box it back in. Well, that to me is an interesting thought experiment. Where could AI go? But we're focusing on all of the bad elements right now, mm-hmm. right? Like what could go wrong? The other question I have is what could go right? What could AI end up doing that could revolutionize our lives and make things better? My mind jumps to medicine. Okay. Because we already have robotic surgeries that are taking place. What if AI can learn the the anatomy of the human body and how to work, you know, within that system through surgery, an AI-based robotic surgery? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I think it would be very interesting when you're doing very complex data crunching, too. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens if you're trying to uh, figure out, for example, like gene therapy? So we, we're trying to unpack the human genome, processing massive amounts of data, and you want to be able to... This has always been an interesting one. Like, what if we could fabricate organs? You know, you, you mm-hmm. have somebody's in an accident, they have organ damage, and, they're, and we're capable of regenerating an organ that's custom fit to them. That's interesting. I mean, this whole medical space we're talking about, think about how fast AI can compute compared to a human brain mm-hmm. and how much faster a robot could work than human hands. You start to combine those two things. Yeah, the, there's the potential. Yeah, it's, there is. And it's it's what's wild, though. I mean, I still think we go back to that garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. And, and so where we're going with this, if I was picking a theme underneath this, is what happens if AI could be used as a powerful tool or an assist, mm-hmm. right? AI becomes the partner rather than the, the replacement. Yeah. Right. And I think that is, at least in the early stages, the most likely outcome in the short term is like, why design a program that's designed to harm you? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I can't feel, I mean, it would be an accident if it happened. Like, who would most of the time? I mean, if somebody's really nefarious, the problem is if you design a program designed to harm other people, how do you keep it from harming you too? Hmm. Just you know, these are these are tricky things. Like you have to be a really criminal mastermind and sociopath, and a lot of things in order to get to that threshold of like, well, it, it, I'm sorry, but you know, the James Bond movies make it sound like, well, three people in the world have this coding skill, and I just kind of go, <clears throat> yeah, sure. <laughs> it's I love it when you know somebody walks in and oh, I just hacked into this you know thing and did the thing. I'm like, well, in Hollywood, that's awesome. In real life, you don't just go. Crack Waltz in, in there, thousand twenty-four bit encryption, and be like, "Oh, just give me five minutes. I got this." It's like, <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you know, supercomputers can't do it, so humans aren't going to just walk in there and stumble mm-hmm. across it. Well, somebody somewhere put a backdoor, this, that, and the other. Stop it! Just stop it. If it was designed in there, it was designed for a person. So, um, but yeah, the the larger point of all of this that it's this, this tool, right? So. What what could it replace? So you're saying it could, it could be instrumental it, in 
medicine. Yeah, I, I think one of the more probable, I was kind of going out on a limb there. I think one of the more probable areas is in just numbers based, like, um, like mass accounting, maybe where you're just running tons of numbers. Computers run numbers with ease, right? Uh-huh. And so if you can learn some of the rules and regulations behind, you know, some of the taxes and all of this. And we've already kind of seen that with the development of things like TurboTax, right? Mm-hmm. Like the computers running and generating your tax returns. There's, there, I think there's a space for AI in maybe some administrative roles where it's more numbers-based learning. So I'll go out on a limb and say something crazy. I think that AI could replace a ton of what you and I do, Matt. Mm. Right. I think that the financial advisor world yeah. needs to wake up and take and pay attention to AI. But I'm not convinced that that's horrible. Hmm. I know, right? Can we use it to benefit what we're doing? I think that a lot of things can be used to benefit. I want to talk about how, but I realize if we look at the clock, we have to take another obscene profit break. Okay. All right. So stick around, gang. If you want to figure out whether or not you can fire your financial advisor and hire an artificial intelligence program, we're going to talk about that and more when we come back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. And we're back. So welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. And Matt. Yep. I wanted to talk about whether or not people can fire their financial advisor. Oh, they can, but should they? And the answer is maybe. Mm. Crazy as that sounds, right? It kind of depends on what you are paying for. Now, this is a fun one. It's probably a little alarming, too, because Matt's going, what are you going to do here? Uh, I, a while ago, got over the, the, a couple things that I got over in my career professionally. First one is that there's just not enough business out there and so we need to be cutthroat with other professionals in the industry and so if it's if it's not us then it's nobody right like we Mm -hmm. have to somehow and i just disagree first of all there are more people out there that need help than there are people to help them Uh, you may not even realize it in many cases but what happens is so so often folks are well-intended but they just don't do what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And so there's this gap of, yeah, I mean, to get to it, I don't have an advisor, but I know how to do it myself. And then they don't do it, right? It's kind of like rotating your tires or changing your oil on time and stuff. And if you do all of those things, like I promise, if we go down the list far enough, there'll be things that you don't do regularly. Unless you're like a really weird savant and that's all you do. And then you're going to be like, and you have no personal life, right? Yeah. Make a list. I tried that recently of all the things that kind of were not you know done that needed to be done that were on the back there's, burner for a long time a and i was super overwhelmed and yeah, i think a lot of people do that with their finances they just always a thing put it off so here's where i think ai can be super valuable it's really good at math mm-hmm. and it's pretty good at probabilities which are still math yep so if you say things like, well, I'm earning this much and I want to retire someday and I need to know how much to save in order to get there, it can tell you. And then it can say, well, and I think I'm going to be in this tax bracket. And so, okay, well, then that's how it's this this too. And here's your options and here's probably the best one. Those are math answers. Mm-hmm. It can do those things right, pretty well. Where it's going to run into the challenges is as you layer in more complex needs, right? it's the gray area. That's the stuff that I'm not so sure that AI 
has figured out yet is there's this human nuance. Like the question we didn't realize we need to ask, mm -hmm. right? Uh, here's a real life example, okay? Uh, you can call somewhere and say, hey, I'm inheriting a retirement plan. What are my options? And the options are, well, you can take the money or you know you have to take the money out in 10 years. And I say, well, you can take the money now or you can take the money uh, or, or, you know, a little bit every year for 10 years or something else, right? Well, it's the something else part that becomes the wild card, right? Mm -hmm. Because what happens if they say, well, just go ahead and take cash the money out. It's an inheritance, right? Then it becomes fully taxable. And then you have to look at the tax bracket of the person involved. If the AI doesn't have this information, it's not going to know what to do. Correct. Okay? And it's not going to necessarily know to ask. And it's also not going to know to say, well, should, should I pay off my house early? Maybe. But then it needs to know the information about how much, what's your mortgage? And then also, what's the tax ramifications? And what if you're expecting an inheritance and you're going to have to take it out over one to 10 years? That's going to drive your tax rate up. And now it doesn't make the same amount of sense to pay off the mortgage. And that may sound crazy, but if you end up paying more in taxes than you do in interest, it may be cheaper to pay off the mortgage. May. Mm -hmm. Okay. If AI doesn't know you're expecting an inheritance, or that you may already be in the process. I mean, it can give you the wrong answer. Right. And I don't know that it would think to ask that. That's kind of an obscure question. Or, hey, you're a business owner, and you want to decide whether or not you can defer some income into the following year, or you may intentionally have a business purchase that lowers your taxable income so that it makes it more viable to, to take distributions from an inheritance or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. There's these different variables, and... I'm not saying that AI can't get to a point where it's capable of doing that, but like right now, we don't even have software that does that, right? Manually, we have to run iterative scenarios, compare all of them, and then do sort of a manual risk reward analysis, and then have a discussion with the client about their values and priorities to figure out what's the thing that makes the most sense. And then we have to try to pick from moving targets and then constantly update them as, as conditions change. Yeah. Okay. There's a ton of nuance in that gray area. And so you may be thinking, you're like, oh, that's, you know, I'm glad you said something because I may be receiving an inheritance. You know, I'm going to get my mom or dad's retirement plan. And it's, you know, I got $600,000 of inheritance in a retirement plan and I have to take it out over 10 years and it's going to drive my taxes way up. And I'm trying to figure out how to manage this. That's real, right? You don't want to mm -hmm. give all of it to the government unnecessarily. So how can you navigate that in a savvy fashion? Well, right now, AI is not positioned to do that. It may be in the future. It could. Right? And, and if so, I think the question becomes, how can we better use it to get things done that we want? Because here's a really fun one. You've probably heard of like algorithmic trading, mm -hmm. right? Did you know that algorithms fight each other? Just because of the conflicting, you know, data that's going between well, no, you, the two. Let's yeah. say you have two different places with two, you know, and like I could create an algorithm to trade money in my own investment account. And if I had a big enough block of money and I was running an algorithm, I may have to fight somebody else's block of money in their algorithm. Mm -hmm. Because they're trying to do mm -hmm. the same thing, but one's trying to gain a competitive right. edge so over the other. So you can get them to fight each other. And what they've also shown is that algorithms will learn how to spoof each other to try and trick 
the yes. other algorithm They'll into try to trick the other algorithm so, so that they can get their in performance. Yes. Yeah. And that to me was really interesting because everybody used to think, well, not everybody, but a lot of people used to think, hey, you know, if we get all these computers trading the markets, we'll just arrive at the price and that'll be that. And it's the opposite of what happened. It mm -hmm. was still it was trying a to exploit. Yeah, because the different AIs were fighting each other. Now well, we're getting it, Now right? we're getting more back into AI becoming a little human, right? Like if it's exploit, trying to find an exploit, that's what we do. That's what humans exactly. do. Exactly. And so if they're all looking for different exploits, they're not coordinating their efforts. They're actually trying to make fighting each other. Yeah. If you can trick it into doing this, we can make some money on your mistake. Yeah. yeah. This, by the way, is one of the arguments that high-frequency traders make that suggests high-frequency trading may not be terrible for the market hmm. because it provides tremendous liquidity, which is the ability for you to get in or out of a position as an investor. Right. Because there's lots of trading activity, right? It's just like the froth, right? There's lots of movement. So you can kind of jump in the stream and right back out and just... You don't have. It's not like you jump in the stream and you're stuck, which mm -hmm. if you think about, you know, hey, I bought something and I can't get rid of it until somebody else is willing to buy it for me, and if there's no buyers, I'm stuck. Okay, well, if there's high frequency traders going on, then there's a bunch of buyers too. So you get, well, I got in and I can get back out because it's highly liquid now. Mm -hmm. That that may be an actual benefit. Yeah. So I find it interesting to think about how AI might continue to evolve in the landscape. That it, there's so many different roles in the financial world. Uh, it it might have been quite useful for auditing banks, mm. right? AI could have been very useful at looking at the risk in an investment portfolio that the banks had and identifying the risks that were associated. And you know, they, they should have still been able to do this, but you know, and, and here's the thing, if AI wasn't trained to look for it, it wouldn't have found it. I mean, that's kind of the, the main thing here is people sometimes think, well, shouldn't AI, you know, if it's artificial intelligence, why doesn't it just figure it out? Okay. Real example. Think about, uh, to my knowledge, they have not built a robot. So they have seen them build robots that can hit golf balls. And mm -hmm. they, they just do amazing, right? I mean, they're just, they put them right down the middle. It's a perfect golf shot again and again and again and again. But I haven't seen a machine that can hit a human pitcher consistently hmm. now it can do well right because its reaction times are far faster than humans but it's hard right because there's still a lot more variables here now try to get a robot to catch a fly ball hmm. think about all of the things that have to be done and a human learns that stuff pretty intuitively yeah so i will remind us that this, the strongest supercomputer out there is probably still the one between your ears. And if we talk about the most computing power per watt of energy use, human brain wins hands down. It's true. Right? It takes about 20 watts of energy to run a human brain functioning at the capacity of a typical supercomputer. Typical supercomputer takes, I think, the equivalent of about 500 U.S. households. Jeez, is it that much? Uh, well, I mean, this is, yeah. this is dated research. It may have come down from there, but still radically more... Yeah, power yeah. consumption than the human brain. You know, you can eat an apple and go all day. Computer can't do that. <laughs> so don't despair like we're all going to be replaced here. But we may have to examine what our role in the workplace is. Mm -hmm. What can we do well versus what can computers do well? And we may have to sort of change our thinking as to what we apply. That makes sense.
Right? And then there are also things because they're like, right now, we have robots can build robots, but it's not often that robots fix robots. Mm. Right? Think about that for a second. Okay. Okay. Mulling that Mulling one over. Mulling that one over, and we're going to take a break. When we come back, then we'll kind of talk about how can we start putting things to use in our life right now, and we'll talk about what it means for investors. Sounds good. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. Yeah, True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the home stretch, the True Wealth Show, where Matt and I are talking AI today. Yeah. And we've talked about kind of the role of finance. We've talked a bunch about it, but mm-hmm. if you had to think about what is something that it's... For for most investors out there, what's something you think AI could do a good job of? For the investor? Yeah. Um, maybe sending communications like, here's how your account's doing, and here's some highlight moments from the account. So it might be able to pull some performance. Yeah, I mean, I think it could probably do that. Here's, here's one of the things that is, is on my mind. And you can kind of do this now. Uh, but I think it can become more tax aware too. Is you're starting to see systems that will do things like you can set up a investment strategy, benchmark it to a specific risk profile, and then it will automatically and in a tax aware fashion rebalance on a trigger basis rather than time. Like it doesn't just say like, well, once you every Friday like- we rebalance. It says we only rebalance when we get this far out of parameters, and then we look at the tax scenario, and then we kind of pull it back in. Mm. Uh, where there's like multiple stages, but they're very linear and quantitative. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to continue to see research get more interesting, although that probably doesn't change outcomes a whole lot. It seems like everybody's constantly looking for some hack to the market. Like if we could just figure out the one magic piece of data that would tell us what to do, that that would be the magic. And that's one of the things I kind of love about the market. I don't feel like it is hackable. And if it is, you can only hack it for a little bit before the exploit is found yeah, out. It, exactly. It just doesn't persist, right? For mm-hmm. a little while it works, and then it just starts to get washed out of the system because other people start to catch on. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the funny thing about it. Every trade that we place, even though it's aggregated with millions of other trades, is like a tiny vote in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And you get enough votes one direction or another, and the market starts to say, well, what's causing that vote? And much like political science that we discussed earlier, there's market the, science. The market science of trying to discover, that's what algorithms are doing, right? Mm-hmm. They're sniffing out different pattern recognition or behavior, which, which we talked about too. Artificial yeah. intelligence is about pattern recognition and response. So, yeah, why are there a hundred million buys in this area and also this other similar area? Let's try and analyze it. Yeah. And so, what I think is delightful though is how it constantly changes. Like, for a, for a little while, good news is good news, and then good news becomes bad news, and then good news becomes good news again. And there's always this theory as to why, which is kind of everybody's version of data fitting, mm-hmm. right? Why did it happen this way? Well, you know, the market thinks the Fed did this, that, and the other, and because of that, this is the behavior, and so we're watching for these things. And then somebody else shows up and goes, yeah, but the market's wrong because of this, that, and the other. And then at some point, you ask enough people, somebody will throw an idea out there, and then the market will do what they suggest, and people will, you know, hold them up as a hero, suggest for that they're that a genius, moment. Yep. <laughs> and for a little while, that becomes the new explanation of what's happening mm-hmm. until it changes. It's right until it's wrong. Yeah. 
And there are even studies around that, studies on what they call trend persistence, mm -hmm. right? the idea that the thing that is working continues to work until it doesn't. Right. Right. So uh, I had a mentor that used to say that, well, keep following the trend until the market tells you to do something different. Yeah. <laughs> Which, when does it tell you that? So, well, when it fails. <laughs> it depends, is the answer to that, too. It's like, well, they're all subjective now. Like, great. Uh, I do think that artificial intelligence and other data systems are going to, they're going, we're probably going to benefit from them because if I could track one thing, that's changed in the market over my 20 plus year career. It is the speed that information moves. And AI would only boost that. It would boost it, but at least you could tell it what stuff to discard. Uh, if AI could run kind of a general analysis, like there's AI that tracks Twitter, for example, and it looks at the trend in different subjects. And based on that, it can give you sentiment indicators about where people feel like things are going right now. Sentiment's very powerful in the short term. For it markets. is. I mean, we saw it with the banks, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, we weren't supposed to talk about banks today, but and there we snuck it in. Exactly. And I, I half wonder, will AI start to learn how to assess data so that it can discover what is driving the market more? And as that occurs, that well, other AIs figure that out and then change then it. Then it becomes an exploit for <laughs> yeah. a season until it's not, and then it has to relearn the whole thing over again. Yes. I think that's part of why companies like Robinhood, you know, one of the ways they make the trades free is they're selling order flow, right? So they're mm -hmm. selling the trades to someone else who's analyzing that data and then positioning their investments based on that data. That almost sounds illegal. Well, <laughs> I, I don't... I don't really care to comment on that. Yeah. I don't know. I just know that order flow is sold to hedge funds and they use it. Mm -hmm. uh, remember, a product that doesn't cost you anything is because you are the product. Right. It so, gives someone else the oh, advantage. Oh, free trades. No, they, you cannot have a product and free trades. And there's not something going on somewhere where they're, you're, oh, no, it's advertising driven. It, no, there's not enough revenue for that. Uh, so th there's other bits of margin in there, or they're they're selling data somewhere so that they can fund mm -hmm. that operation. So anyway, no free lunch. No, and there never is. Uh, so here we get to the end of the show. We talked about AI. We talked about uh, banks, which we weren't supposed to. We talked about a lot of stuff that we weren't supposed to. But you know, we haven't really talked about. There's more. We haven't yet talked about. Financial terms, oh, kind of and my we favorite part yeah, of the and show. And we and we missed it last week, didn't we? We did. It was we were kind of scrambling, and uh, let's see, we've got a few here. <laughs> okay, I I want to um, let's see, how about the first one, a dead cat bounce. Dead cat bounce. I believe that's actually a real term, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I remember that one somewhere in the yeah, books. It it kind of refers to like a short-term rally during a bear market. Ah, uh, okay. Right? Dead cat yep. bounce. Yep. Um, here's another one. What is trickle-left economics? I'm going to go with that one's fake. But it, it fake, sounds but pretty real. It sounds right? real. Trickle-left economics, pretty sure it is fake as well. What, what do you think the uh, definition should be for trickle-left economics? Hmm... Do you got anything for me? I'm drawn. I would I mean, say I'm the concept to... that the government can generate economic activity. 
Right? My, the, the, the government produces something that's not paid for by the taxpayer. You know what? I, that's close enough to what I was thinking. I'll go with that one, too. That's a pretty good definition. Yeah. I always look at that one and go, well, yes, the government can stimulate through spending, but ultimately the government is fed by the taxpayer. You cannot go out. Uh, there's no perpetual motion. Well, the government spent, and that generated its own economy, and then it got taxed. And so, nope, the government can't do that. So it starts with the private sector. Uh, here's a fun one. Social Security lockbox. <laughs> Social Security lockbox is fake, but if I had to give it a definition, it is everyone who believes that Social Security is just going to dry up, but the government has it in a lockbox. It's safe because they can print more money. <laughs> yeah. Social Security lockbox, it was, I think it was coined by Al Gore. <laughs> Saturday Night is that Live real? made fun of it years ago. Oh man, it's not. I mean, it was a discussion. It's not a real uh, okay. thing, but it was this idea that Social Security should have its own trust fund that the government can't invade. Right, mm. and in practice, Social Security lockbox is probably a, a euphemism for a political term that doesn't exist, but is used to make the public believe that it does. Ah, uh, okay. Right? So that that would be it. Oh, it's a lockbox, right? Uh, Look, we're out of time. So right. I know the music is going to kick on in a second, and it did. Matt, how do folks reach us if they would like to learn more about our services? Yeah, give us a call at 541-375-0898 or shoot us an email at info at littlejohnfs, as in financialservices.com. All right. So we look forward to hearing from you guys. Remember, it's uh, inexpensive to get a second opinion from us because the initial consult's free. But we're out of time for now. So until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth. On News Radio, this. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.